Hey everyone, welcome to The Orchard Podcast with Amy Hughes and Rachel Hughes. We hope this episode encourages and inspires you today. Well, I thought I would um, kick off this morning with a little bit of a story time, uh, a little bit about me. Um, For many of you, you have no idea who the heck I am, so I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Um, I grew up in High Wycombe in Buckinghamshire. Oh, yes, Buckinghamshire. Uh, Loved it in High Wycombe. And um, I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, So we went to church uh, regularly on a Sunday, and I sort of grew up in that sort of context. And, uh, and as I was growing up into my sort of teenage years, I sort of did the Sunday school thing and all of that, but I never really owned my faith. It never became a connection for me. And, uh, and so sort of towards my later teenage years, um, I started to be given more freedom. And so I started going out with uh, my friends and doing stuff on the weekends. And Sunday became more and more painful to wake up to go to church on a Sunday morning. And, uh, and I know my mum was praying for me, but she sort of wanted me to make my own choice. And so uh, I sort of gradually went, you know, a little bit, but then gradually sort of pulled back from sort of going to church. Anyway, uh, I had a really wonderful childhood and really enjoyed school um, and went through my sort of schooling years and then it was time to go to university. So I wasn't following Jesus at this point. And, uh, and so I went to university and uh, when I got there, I can only um, describe it as uh, it was like an unveiling of my eyes um, and I for the first time, looked in the mirror, and I absolutely hated who I saw. It was so weird, and it really did feel like an unveiling, like a, oh, I hate who I can see. And uh, and it led me into a dark spiral. Um, I really hated what I looked like. Um, I became really socially anxious, having been like really, you know, sort of have great friends at school, quite popular. And then I got to university and it was like, oh, I feel so anxious even being out. And making friends became really hard. And I sort of became, I would sort of really self-obsessed, you know, completely and utterly preoccupied with me, what I look like, and, uh, and I, I actually ended up having a quite an unhealthy relationship with food. I would spend hours and hours in the gym just desperately trying to um, make the outward appearance okay, to make the inside feel a little bit better. Um, and so I continued my university life, and you know, I sort of got through it and, you know, kind of managed to get through lectures. And uh, and really, towards my uh, final year of, of university, I got to like a quite a dark place, and things weren't going well. And uh, and I can only, and I say this all the time, but I can only say it was my mum's prayers and my dad, but he's not in the room. But my mum's prayers, really, um, that there was it was. It was only the work of the Holy Spirit that I woke up one morning on my third year of university, and I. I thought to myself, what is this Christianity thing? What is this Jesus thing all about? You know, my parents are intelligent people. My family, you know, my extended family, they all love Jesus. What is this all about? Anyway, so it began this journey for me of um, really discovering who, uh, what Christianity is about. And I um, picked up loads of books and started reading all the classic sort of uh, Christian books. 
And, uh, and so towards the end of my university, I was beginning to think that maybe there was something involved in this. Maybe there was something um, in this faith. It was starting to make sense. All my questions seemed to be answered. And I did Alpha. I think I did Alpha like three times or something like that. Um, as I dribble down my face. And uh, so I did Alpha and things really were beginning to, um, yeah, just beginning to sort of click, if you like. And, uh, and towards the end of my university then, I, um, I went traveling with a friend. So we graduated, went traveling, and we booked the sort of round-the-world ticket. And, uh, and as I was uh, going around the, t- around the world with my friend, who wasn't a Christian, I was reading all these books, and I was preaching to her, you know, and I was saying, this is, this is Christianity, and this is Jesus, and la, la, la. But what I was finding is that my life wasn't changing. It was like I, I, I figured it out in my head. It's like I decided that, uh, you know, yes, I believe these claims that Jesus is who he says he is, you know. Um, but I wasn't seeing the fruit. You know, I wasn't seeing the outward change in my life. I was still in the same patterns of behavior. I was still seeking approval from people and guys and all of that stuff. And so as I continued this journey with my friend at university, um, my faith, I guess the knowledge of my, you know, my faith in a knowledge sense was just beginning to diminish and I was sort of losing it. Um, and I got to uh, Sydney as part of my ticket. And uh, actually, Rach and Tim were uh, surprisingly in Sydney at the same time that I was. And so Rach picked up the phone, who I'm sure was also praying for me, uh, but picked up the phone and said, hey, I'm, we're in Sydney and we're at this conference. Why don't you come and be part of the conference with us, you know? Uh, and so I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I've been to lots of Christian conferences, uh, you know. And then she was like, oh, come on, we'll just hang out. And so I was like, okay, fine, I'll come. So I met them at this conference. And, uh, and the whole week, you know, was all about the love of God, all about the love of Jesus. And, uh, and I was just like, you know, getting more and more, you know, in. And, uh, and there was this call at the end um, to come forward to basically receive Jesus. And, uh, and so I was at the back of this room and I was like, this is my moment. I want to give my all. So I came forward and I, and I came forward to like a front like this to receive. And I had my hands out, you know. And, uh, and I stood there at the front and I said, I said, Lord, if you are real, if you are who you say you are, make yourself known to me. Make yourself known to me. I, I basically said to him, if you make yourself known to me, dangerous prayer, if you make yourself known to me, I am yours. I will give you my whole life. I will serve you. I will give you my everything. Just show me that you're real. Um, And I stood there at the front and I was literally had my hands out like begging God, begging him to make himself known to me. And as I stood there, um, the Holy Spirit fell upon me in the most powerful way. And I didn't have context for this. I hadn't had an experience or an encounter of the Holy Spirit ever before. And so now when I feel the presence of God, I'm like, oh yeah, that was what was happening. But I had no context for that. And so I was standing here and I was like, Lord, you know, make yourself known. And I was filled um, with the presence of God. And it was the most unbelievable moment of my life. You know, the most beautiful moment where you're like, ah, I know in my Noah that he's real. I mean, it changed absolutely everything. It was a great moment, but I woke up the next day and 
everything changed. You know, the, the, the way that I said that I saw in, in university when I arrived, it was like I had been unveiled to who I actually was in Christ. You know, it's like, I, am, I have dignity. I am a daughter of the king. Do you know who I am? You know, it was like, oh, I had this like sass about me because it was like, I am... I have got purpose. Life is so much bigger than my existence. It was the most like e exciting adventure, or the beginning of an adventure to think the possibility that I have to be so self-obsessed that I can be part of something so much bigger. And so it began this journey for me. As I said my yes to the Lord, um, he really did take me at my word. And when I look over my life, when I look over um, really my 20 years, that was 20 years ago now, as I look upon it, it has been an, an adventure where that was the foundational moment of my yes to Jesus. And from that moment, really, it's been me taking Jesus' hand. as this beautiful friend, as I've taken his hand and I've trusted his ways are better than my ways. And I said, Jesus, do with me what you want. Do with me what you want. I don't trust myself, but I trust you. And so it's been on this, I've been on this journey um, of giving more and more of my life to him, the stuff I want to hide, the stuff that I think is just grim, the shame I carry. He's like, well, let's have that too. Let's have that too. And over the 20 years, and I've got a long way to go, he's just asking for more access. Give me more access into your life. Surrender more for me because I have more life for you. And I found healing and wholeness in Jesus. And I just really believe, and I have for a while now, that God is calling. I believe he's beckoning, actually, his church into greater dependence upon him to be completely surrendered to him, to be followers, to be sheep, trusting the shepherd with our whole lives, regardless of where it leads, regardless of where it leads. <laughs> Obedience, full stop. Obedience without the bow. Obedience when you have no idea what this yes is going to mean. <laughs> that kind of surrendered life. You know, I felt God um, a while ago, like a couple of years ago, actually, in a worship time, I felt like him say to me, I am raising up a weak army. I'm raising up a weak army. You know, weakness in the sense of dependence upon him. You know, an army so aware of our need of him. The Apostle Paul says, doesn't he, that when I am weak, then I am strong. I think he wants his church to stop trying to be strong. Stop, stop trying to be strong and find greater strength when we radically depend and devote ourselves to Jesus. Only Jesus. An army that is ready to make some serious damage for the kingdom of God. But not in our own strength. I want to be part of that army. I want to make a difference, don't you? And, you know, Jesus encapsulates, encapsulates what it means to be a dependent follower in John 15. That's why we've chosen this verse 
for the day. You know, we're going to spend so much time looking at John 15. We're going to look at practically how. We've got a whole seminar on how do we live this out. Rachel later is going to talk about the pruning process when it comes to this verse. We're going to look at fruitfulness over the day. We're going to learn to be in the soak room. But right now, I'm just going to really quickly home in on verse 5. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, I will bear, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Really quick context here. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. These are actually some of his last words to his disciples before he's arrested and crucified. And he's showing them how to live in the fullness of God in the darkness of the world. And so we're going to unpack this really quickly. Jesus says then that he is the vine. Earlier on in the scripture, he says, I am the true vine. What on earth does that mean? Basically, the image um, of a vineyard is used throughout the Old Testament to describe Israel. And Psalm 80 describes Israel as being told she was like a vineyard to glorify God. That God is the great gardener and Israel is the vine, the chosen people. However, it doesn't work out well for those that know the story. And we read in Isaiah and Jeremiah and the prophets that essentially Israel is yielding bad grapes. And so they were chosen as the people to be the vineyard of God to to bear fruit. However, as we know, they failed to live holy lives and live obediently to God. And so when we get to this moment where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he knows all of this. And he is saying to this in this moment that He is declaring that then he is the true vine. I am the true Israel. I am the fulfillment of what has gone before. He is now the source of fruit and the source of life. You know, Jesus lived the fullest humanity when Israel couldn't, you know, lived the fullest humanity, completely blameless and holy, completely obedient to the Father. God knew we could never overcome sin and evil ourselves. He knew that we could never do it. We could never live holy lives. And so in his great love for us, in the desperation of the Father, the desperation of the Father to bring us back to himself as he first intended, he sends sends his son Jesus to take our sin, our death, our guilt, disobedience, shame, all of it upon himself. And he takes it, as we know, he takes it to the cross where he absorbs it and he takes it to the grave. He then rises on the third day as we celebrate at Easter, overcoming the power of evil and death. And so that through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we now have access to the Father. Access that we could never have achieved on our own. To enable us to live the life he intended us to live. The fullness of life. Union with God. And Jesus then continues this analogy. uh, As he's talking about, he's saying that he is the, the vine. He then says that we are the branches. He says, we're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, a branch is completely useless without the vine. 
completely useless without the vine. It can't live. Jesus, therefore, is speaking about life and death. This isn't a minor thing. It starts with us recognizing that we are a branch. I hate to break it to you, but we are a branch. (laughs) It takes real humility to acknowledge our need of Jesus. But so essential if we're going to get this. Honestly, this is such a relief to me. It's such a relief that I don't have to be more than a branch. (laughs) When we think we're more than a branch, we'll labor in vain, trying so hard in our own strength. We're utterly incapable of fixing ourselves and anyone else. We come to the vine as an imperfect being. We don't fix our branch, do we? We don't fix it up and then stick it on the vine. That's not how it works. We're going to talk about that later. But I guess the question is, are you exhausted trying so hard to sort of break the addictions in your life, to break the ways of thinking and anxieties, fixing up this branch? Uh, A little while ago, actually, this last month, you know, as we've been preparing for the orchard and and I lead um, with my husband, a local church in Nottingham, whoop, and, uh, and it's been quite a full, got back from the summer, and it's been quite a full couple of weeks. And, uh, and, I, uh, and I, if anyone knows me, I, I really, really love people. And, uh, and it's been hard because I've been quite, um, it's been quite busy, and I can see people that I need to connect with, you know. And I'm like, oh, I really want to connect with you and you, and, and that person is suffering in that way, and, you know, all of this. And I've got children at home, you know, uh, needing me as well. And I've been, I was feeling quite anxious, like real, like weighty, like a real kind of, like, anxiety um, within me. And as I was preparing this, and I was sort of contemplating on this verse, I heard a real gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit whispered in my ear, you don't have to be a perfect leader, Amy. (laughs) You don't have to fix that person. You don't have to fulfill that person's needs. You know, you don't even need to be a perfect mum or a friend. Perhaps some of us need to hear that as we recognize that we are the branch Perhaps you need to hear today that you don't need to try and be a perfect anything. Hear the voice of grace, not condemnation. What a relief. The voice of grace, the whisper of grace in your ear saying, you're enough. It's enough. You're doing enough. What a beautiful reality that we don't have to be the vine. (laughs) We don't have to be the vine. That we can come to the vine and all the good, the mess, the ugly, and allow him to be the vine in our lives. So Jesus is the true true vine, the sustainer of all things. We're the branches. So what's our part to play in it then? Jesus says, remain in me. Jesus says, remain in me. This basically means stay connected. In a nutshell, build relationship with Jesus, depend upon him, draw from him as the branches draw on the vine, draw from him, give your whole life to him, put him first in everything you do. Seek his will for your life. 
serve him, be faithful to him. You know, cultivate moments of intimacy where only you and Jesus know. Beautiful, intimate moments in that relationship with Jesus. Stay connected. You know, more recently for me, um, I really feel the Lord um, asking me to come and be still with him. And, uh, and as people know, I'm a bit of a, I am an activist. I really like outcomes. <laughs> I'm not very good at just sort of sitting around um, the house. And so I felt like the Lord was saying, come away with me come away with me. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I do, I've carved some time out in my diary during the, during the month really to have like a good few days where I'm just sat in his presence. And, uh, and it sounds really dreamy, doesn't it? Probably to so many, perhaps those with really young children. It's like, that sounds amazing. Um, but it's, I've actually found it really, really challenging. You know, I'm the kind of, I'm the kind of gal that changes her house round every week, <laughs> trying to find some outcome, you know, achieve something. And it's just been this idea of hanging out with Jesus, not needing Jesus to do anything. I don't need him to speak. I don't even need to feel him. Even saying to Jesus, you know, I am here and I know you promised to be here. So I'm choosing and trusting that you are here. And I want to do whatever you want this moment to be like. Whatever he desires this moment to be. You know, remaining in Jesus isn't transactional. It's not, it's not about doing more. And this practice really is changing me. It's changing me from the inside out as I sort of allow myself to just dwell and absorb in the presence of God. And so in a nutshell, Jesus is saying that anything of kingdom value is only achieved through our connection to Jesus. And we're going to spend a load of time looking at how. We're going to go into that in more detail with Catherine in, in her seminar. But I do, think this, um, I do think this can be deceptive. You know, as I was preparing this idea of um, staying connected to Jesus, I was uh, writing in my kitchen and I could see some flowers that uh, a friend of mine had brought to me and, uh, and they were dying. And I was thinking, gosh, they, they were so beautiful. They were so beautiful a, a week ago, you know. They were, they, were, they were stunning. They looked so alive. And yet I was thinking, gosh, how deceptive. It was such a good illustration of being like, actually, something that looks really alive was actually dying. And I wondered whether the challenge for all of us is if we're honest, are there things that look alive in our lives but are actually not connected to the vine. And actually, they are dying. So to come into land-ish, <laughs> I am. We're going to land on the, the most beautiful part of this whole scripture. It's the beautiful truth, the beautiful reality, that when we remain in him, he promises to remain in us by his Holy Spirit. We share our life with Jesus. He promises then to share his life with us. That's the transaction. That is literally the best deal you are ever going to hear this day and for a lifetime. And I really believe that this is why 
This is why this idea of remaining is so contested. I believe the enemy is contesting it because we find it so hard sometimes to, to remain, to, to give up control. Because when we remain, when we get this, when we give our lives over to Jesus, when we draw from him, we gain Christ. Galatians 2.19 says, no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. You know, the world doesn't need more Amy's. Honestly, it doesn't need more you's. <laughs> the world needs more Jesus. That's why it's so contested. He doesn't want us to remain because he doesn't want more Jesus in the world. He wants us to think he, that, that the world needs more of us. And it's a lie. We're to remain because we gain Christ. Because the world is crying out. is crying out for Jesus. And you know, when we remain, we are lethal. We are lethal to the enemy. Because when we remain in Jesus, we step in to the fullness of the inheritance which is ours to take. We step in to the inheritance, the inheritance that Jesus has won for us. The freedom that he fought for us, this fullness of life is ours. The enemy has stolen it. He's lied. He's stealing the truth of what this inheritance even is. He wants to steal it. He wants to take what is ours. It is time to take it back. It really is time to take it back. I want to step into the fullness of my inheritance in what Jesus has done for me. I don't want to live under the lies anymore. I want to step in. I want all that you have for me. You know, 1 Peter says, in his great mercy, read this every day. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Eternal life with Jesus, fullness of life, that starts now. As we remain, we gain this inheritance. We receive our inheritance. So what is our inheritance? Firstly, we receive Jesus' identity. When we remain, we're reminded of our identity. Romans 8.16 says, The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, to daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit in us, testifies with our spirit that we are children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. I mean, it's absolutely mental that we are co-heirs with Christ. That's our inheritance, that we are co-heirs with Christ, that when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we join God's family. We become one of his children and receive, it blows my mind, but we receive the same rights and privileges of Jesus. A daughter is my primary identity. I am a daughter of the King. 
That is your primary identity. Don't let the enemy lie to you and give you any other identity. That is not your inheritance. We can then therefore be secure in the fact that it's not perishing, it's not spoiling, nothing's going away, it is set. That in Jesus, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We're no longer slaves to fear, being held back as we draw from him, as we remain in him. This spirit reminds us of who we are and we become bold. I speak this over myself every morning. I am stepping into the inheritance that I am a daughter of the king. If you do that, boldness will rise up. What have you got to lose? There is nothing to lose from that posture. That's why the enemy wants to lie to us and take away our, uh, the, the acknowledgement of that. Does that make sense? Our eyes need to be open to where we are being bombarded with lies that keep us from that grace. Okay, in our inheritance, identity, we also receive Jesus' heart. I pray so often to break my heart for what breaks yours. You know, so often I'm like, Jesus, break my heart for what breaks yours. But I don't remain in him. And, you know, so I'm not asking here. I'm sort of saying it, but I'm not like, now give me your heart, Jesus. I'm going to wait for you to receive my heart. Just really quickly, I just beautiful illustration of this um, during this week. I was, we were praying with our um, leadership team. And, uh, and as we were praying, um, we were particularly praying for the youth that are meeting somewhere, Gas Street, um, over there. The 250 youth girls meeting in that space to encounter Jesus. Amazing. Pray for them all day. And, um, and we were praying as, as a team in Nottingham for them. And as we were praying, we were abiding. You know, we were remaining, asking, drawing on Jesus. How should we pray? How should we pray? And uh, we were a bit quiet for a while. And then this guy on our team that isn't, doesn't normally pray like this suddenly like erupted in this roar over these, um, these girls. And he was like cutting off all sorts of things. Oh, my goodness. He was like, you know, bashing the head off this. And he was shouting, no. And, da, da, da. and as he was praying, I was like, I was so moved because it was like it was the father's roar over those girls. You know, the, the, the enemy has an assignment over the girls in our nation. And he was saying, not on my watch. Not on my watch will the enemy take their inheritance in Christ Jesus. And it was like in that moment of abiding, it was so powerful because it was like, oh, we get to see the fathers roar over them. It was so moving. But that happens when we abide. That happens when we remain. And he doesn't want us to remain because he doesn't want us to receive his heart because he doesn't want us to pray prayers like that, that literally chuck the enemy to the ground and tread on him. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, so he wants us to... <laughs> Basically, it makes us dangerous. When we ask for the Lord's heart, it's not like, oh, break mine. It's like, break mine. I don't want to be numb. I don't want to be numb to the evil in this world anymore. Break it. Give me your heart that I will intercede, that I will do something about it. We need to ask the Lord to break our hearts. Give us your heart, Lord. That's what we do when we remain. That's what happens when we remain no longer numb 
done with being numb to the evil. Paul says, hate evil, hate it, cling to good, hate it. He doesn't say, oh, be a bit passive about it, let it pass you by. Hate evil. This is an army to hate evil, cling to what is good. Okay, I know I'm like running out of time. Okay, quickly then, we also receive the authority. When we remain, um, when we remain and we, and we draw from Jesus, we receive Jesus' authority, the victory that he has won that I spoke about earlier. You know, the same spirit lives in us that conquered the grave. Speak that over yourself every morning. That's your inheritance. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. Hello, me. It's like, yes, it does. So you go about your day with that level of inheritance and see where it takes you. You know, I was, I'm not going to say this, but just this beautiful picture um, of where we see David in the Old Testament, you know, sort of claiming and knowing um, authority when um, he's fighting um, Goliath. And he's, this, this word just came out as I was reading it again. You know, people know the story. I don't have time to go into it. But this, uh, this, this verse just popped out to me in the summer as I was reading it. And it says, David says as he's about to, um, to fight Goliath, you know, he says, who is he? Who is he? <laughs> this uncircumcised Philistine, Goliath the giant, that he should defy the armies of the Lord. And it punched me in the stomach because I was like, what defiance? Who is he? Who is he? I was thinking about this in my context, having known the victory of Jesus. You know, who is he, the enemy? Who is he to defy the power of God, the victory of Jesus? Who is he to undermine my friend? Who is he to speak lies into the core of my daughter's being? Who is he to bring abuse to that child? It's like we, are, we, we have in us the victory, the authority to speak freedom in the name of Jesus. And then finally, we receive Jesus' way, his will and way in our lives. And you know, I'm coming into land. This is, I really am. This is all grace. You know, remaining is all grace. The whole thing is remaining is to stay present to grace. And this is a beautiful union. Everything we face each day, which we do, it's, it's hard. Fear, anxiety, and temptation. My father-in-law gave me this beautiful quote that says, everything we face, I have you, Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, for this, you have me. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on socials at The Orchard Women to find out more about everything coming up.